What's going on, Winnipeg fans across the U.S. and Canada? You are now boarding the Winnipeg Terminal. I'm Mike D'Andrea. This is Joe Pritchard. How we doing, Joe? We got Brady and Dalton showed back. Like, could it be better? I was going to say, I mean, there's there's a couple things that uh, could have went our way as far as the Jets are concerned. But as far as Bombers news is concerned, I mean, things are uh, things are looking up quite a bit and a uh, little bit surprising. But we'll kind of get into that in a bit. But uh, before we kind of get into the meat and potatoes, we always like to have our little ramble sesh and always talk about my beverage of choice. But as we know, still on dry February, I've had dry January. I accidentally talked myself into this month, and yes, it is possible to accidentally talk yourself into a dry month. So we're going back to the original, the Blue Moon, of course, NA. Like I said, we're on a dry month, but I mean, I'm a fan of the Blue Moon, so got to have the NA version. Well, there we go. There you go. And I'm underprepared for this week because I was so busy gathering Bombers news, so... I've just got a boring old Diet Pepsi that I'm not even going to bother showing anybody. Mm. I had some Diet Pepsi when I went to Costco today. I got myself, uh, got that dog in me too. I had to get that $1.50 Costco dog. Oh, of course. Now, I was going to say this too. The viewers, listeners are probably really, really confused right now as to why I have this ugly logo on my jersey. And, I mean, let me just uh, give one of these real quick. It was mainly because, well, I enjoyed watching Money Hands and Goudreau do their thing uh, when they were together in Cowtown. I didn't like the team, but I loved loved what they had going uh, in those years. And, I mean, the Battle of Alberta is always fun, but when you had the Smith-Talbot rivalry going on, when you had Lucic in the mix, it it seemed like they they were doing the Alberta two-step. With the, with the guys going between the Flames and the Oilers, and it was just like, let's all switch jerseys. And it was that was always fun to watch. And Money Hands was uh, one of my favorite players on that team, too. So yeah. nice and to before, see. And before we get too deep into the trade and what went where and what, I think I do need to apologize to the rest of Canada. Our people in from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, brought a sawmill up to Calgary back in the 1880s and help make that town what it is. There's actually a, a neighborhood in Calgary named the Eau Claire neighborhood after the, after what happened with the sawmill and getting everything up and running. So sorry, Canada, it's our fault. I actually <laughs> didn't know that. Yeah. This, this is, is mind blowing. It's absolutely a thing. Huh. I've, I've even, well, I've never really stopped in town. I drove through Calgary before, but uh, yeah, that's actually kind of cool. Next time I go up to Alberta, I'll have to check out the Eau Claire neighborhood because that is awesome. I, I did intend thing- to get there when I went to Grey Cup in 2019, but I was otherwise occupied for that week for some reason. Oh, yeah. Gee, I don't know why. I, I can't think of anything. <laughs> no, it was a spectacular week. It just I didn't have a whole lot of time on my hands. Sure. I, I totally get that. And there, there may have been some festivities. And we'll just uh, we'll leave it at that, of course. And <laughs> even more festivities on Sunday night that we didn't partake in, but that was good times for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Alberta is known for uh, festivities. I from uh, Scooter from the Elks call. He uh, he and I had uh, quite the time when we went to an Oilers Jets game, and 
this is actually kind of funny too. So, you know, I like to get a jersey, well, not a jersey, like a t-shirt or a ball cap or something from any new sporting event that I go to, whether it's hockey, baseball, football, whatever have you. And anyways, so we are, it's like the first intermission, whatever, we go down to like their pro shop and in there I find an Oilers t-shirt and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, whatever. And so um, at the time, Scooter was working in refrigeration. They did some stuff at uh, Rogers Center and he had uh, like, I guess he had an employee discount or whatever. He asked if I could get it. And uh, the guy was like, uh, no, like, and I'm like, okay, I totally get that. And then all of a sudden, game, or second period just had started at this point. And we hear the goal horn go off and he sees me wearing all my Winnipeg gear. And of course, everyone's cheering except for me at that point. And so then the guy looks at me and he's like, okay, I feel really bad right now. So I will give you the discount. <laughs> better than what I got in Hamilton the first time I went. Because I went to do the exact same thing you did minus having a friend hanging out with me at that point but went to the little pro shop in the in the in the side of the stadium i was in and just said you know i'm wearing all bomber gear and the bombers are terrible at that time it's 2015 so i just say hey i'm looking to upgrade my wardrobe blank stare i'll take that one here you go <clears throat> wow <clears throat> That's yeah full. yeah that was just like yeah I guess you're clearly here. You're clearly not here to enjoy your time. You're here to be working. So go ahead. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, I guess there's some people that love their job and some maybe not so much. No, but we've all well, been there. Yes, we all we all have our bad days at work. And uh, anyways, now to talk shop a little bit and talk a little bit about the uh, Monahan trade. This was something. I don't want to, you know, sound a little conceited, but this is something that when we were addressing the rumors a month ago, I was like, Monahan is the one who would make the most sense because we need that second line center. And Nemesnikov, he's been doing a great job at it, but he's just not the guy. And it's nice to see us get a second line center. Um, but still, I mean, of course, there were some growing pains in the first game. I'm still 100% behind this trade and sure, you know, we can say a first round pick would, uh, you know, be a little bit much, but I mean, if you consider where the jets are in the standings, even though they have struggled as of late, that would be a late first round pick anyways. Mm -hmm. So, and, and there seems to be a significant drop off from 20 mm -hmm. to 21 in this draft. So as long as we, as the jets don't crater, and do the exact same thing they did last year and end up picking like 18th or something. <clears throat> really, it's a high, it's at that point, it's clearly not a first round talent you're getting. So you might as well get rid of the label first round pick. And oh, by the way, the Jets also have Montreal's second, second round choice. So really, you still get somebody in that caliber and you're paying them less. Exactly. And, and, you know, who knows? By doing it now, you get a month to get Monahan going before the deadline and mm -hmm. get him, get him, get him fit for that point. Make your assessments. Do you need anything more? Do you, you still got some time to work with as opposed to getting him at the deadline, paying the same price? You're, you're getting him, you're buying a, a, another month out of this. Plus, you get a chance to see where all the ships fall. So, I yeah, really who knows? Like 
that they did it as quickly as they did it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he could very well, this could be another Nino Niederreiter situation where, you know, oh, look like we got ourselves a rental. And now all of a sudden we got a guy for a couple of years and kind of like Stastny. Now, of course, he ended up going to Vegas after, but then came back just because, well, Schmidt, had a little bit of say in that, but I mean, he loved playing in Winnipeg and you could just tell in the style that he was playing. I mean, he was playing some of his best hockey uh, with Winnipeg too. And even if it didn't show up on the score sheet, it definitely showed up just on the ice, you know, in general. And, you know, that's, uh, I'm kind of hoping that we have another situation like that. I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket and say, this is what's going to happen, but it's just something that would be nice. Maybe he can actually fall in love with the city and the team and the culture in the locker room and stay, stick around for a little bit. Yeah, it would be great if there was if if it if the fit is right and mm-hmm. he likes where he's at. Potentially, maybe a slight hometown discount wouldn't be terrible. But it, that's how you build teams under the salary cap. You gotta find guys with value, and if you and if it's a fit and you know it's working and you want to keep it going and he's not gonna cost you an arm and a leg because you're already paying two guys franchise salaries. You gotta find your find your depth at cheaper prices. So mm-hmm. it's also and, nice to be able to test drive it and see if it works in the first place instead of it going, "Oh, it's free agency." How about you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, one of the things too that worried me a little bit, one of the residual effects of not really giving up much aside from the first round pick, because what was it, a conditional third? Conditional uh, third the, the Jets win the cup. And I don't think Jets fans would mind if it was a conditional take the rest of our draft picks if we win the cup. So exactly. That's <laughs> kind of the we obviously want the cup right now. And I mean they they've got the team to do it, but uh one of the unfortunate parts of that when just giving up picks is that your roster size is too big when you have guys coming back from injury, such as Shifley. So the worry that you know, a lot of Jets fans had was putting uh, Axel Johnson Fialbi on waivers or, which of course was the case, or uh, putting anyone else, Tony Notto on waivers uh, as well. And when I saw uh, Johnson Fialbi on waivers, I was like, oh, there's no way he's clear and there's going to be a team that picks him up. And sure enough, he cleared. So that's some big news too. It's nice to see that he cleared because he's one of those guys that he's, he's fast. He plays hard and he's not going to be your, you know, top two lines, but he's a solid fourth liner. And, you know, you need that on a team like we have right now. Like we always talk about the depth. And when you have guys like that, that you have just too much talent. So you got to put someone on waivers. I wish that we wouldn't have put, Chisholm on waivers because you knew that Minnesota was going to pick him up for how bad they need defense. Yeah, but at the same time, you're in a good position if you have too much talent and in a better position if some of them clear and go to the minors because now you have a fourth line a fourth line player on your first, second line in Manitoba. You get mm-hmm. an entry, ready-made replacement. Yep. And now speaking of... Uh... Speaking of the defense that we have, um, this is 
actually incredible. It kind of blew me away. I knew that we had good defense, but first in goals, of course, goals allowed. Uh, first in goals, chances, attempts, one-timers, rush shots, in-zone shots. Uh, sorry, one-timers are fourth. Uh, r- rush shots, second. In-zone shots, fourth. Offense is a little bit more of a struggle, but when we play five on five, we this we're talking about this right before the show. Goals four, first in the league. Chances four, second in the league. Rush shots four, third in the league. In zone shots four, fifth in the league. So five on five, this team is solid, but there's issues, of course, on the special teams. But what's even worse is the transition play and possession entry if for our offense, 13th in the league. And it actually matches uh, what we have for defense, too. But as far as defense is concerned in our transition play, possession exit percentage, 19th in the league. Possession exits, 21st in the league. And the D zone retrieval success, an abysmal 26th in the league. That's rough. And that's something that is going to need to be addressed if they want to have success in the second half. And that's when you go, thank you, Helly, because, you know, uh, with those kind of numbers, you'd expect the Jets to be about middle of the road as far as goals allowed. Not so. Not so. And when you have, yeah, you have Helly and you have Brossois, who is basically, I mean, he could be potentially, of the way he's playing this year especially, he could be a starter on another team. So we pretty much have two starters playing right now. And, I mean, Vesna Buck is playing his absolute stellar self. And it's nice to see. And if we can fix these issues, I have no doubts that the Jets can work their way back into first, not only in the Central, but in the league. Again, provided they could fix these issues. Yeah, and they I believe they still have some games in hand. I haven't stared at the standings in a little while because of the All-Star break, but... I always feel like they're trailing Colorado and Dallas. Colorado specifically, so. yeah. Colorado actually has uh, 51 games played. The Jets have three games in hand at 48, and Dallas has played 50. So we have two games in hand behind three points of both of those teams. And, yeah, then the drop-off with St. Louis, they have one more game than us, and they have 54 points. So we're 11 ahead of them. So there's a lot of breathing room, at least, for what that's worth. And, I mean, the boys have obviously been really struggling um, as of late. And sky's not falling, but it's something to be said that in this recent slump, they're 3-4-1 and one in their last eight. They've scored 11 goals and allowed 18, which, again, goaltending has been playing great uh, given that. They're scoring, they're averaging 1.375 goals per game and allowing 2.25, which 2.25, that's actually not so bad. You'll, you know? You'll hear that number and go, sure, that should work. Mm-hmm. It's the lack of scoring that's really been the issue. And I mean, you think about it too, playing teams like Boston, Toronto, Toronto twice, played Pittsburgh, you know, in Pittsburgh, no matter where they are in the standings, they're always a tough team to play when you have guys like Latang who scored the first goal. Uh, you have guys like Crosby. Of course, he's defenseman, but still very offensive-minded. You have guys like Crosby, Malkin, 
you know, Gensel, they're, they're always going to be a tough team no matter where they are in the standings. And they're a team that always has our number too, it seems. Yeah, never. It's funny how that works even across years and even decades where one team is just going to be like, nope, we're facing you. We're at the bottom of the league. You're at the top of the league. But we, you know, no, we take care of you pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's how it goes, across, like you said, across sports and yeah, there's uh, the the Steelers kind of own the Ravens, for example, and it was kind of nice, even though the Steelers really had their struggles this year, and Baltimore was the powerhouse. Steelers swept them. Always, <laughs> always oh, a, oh, a nice feeling when you sweep your rival, even if it, even if the rest of the year doesn't go well for you. Mm-hmm. And a team like, I mean, obviously the Browns. I don't, I don't care about them. And here we go deviating to football, but. Uh, Browns, I don't care about them, but it's much better to beat Cincinnati and Baltimore. And it's really funny because I think the Steelers are that team that Cleveland fans love when they beat the Steelers because I have one friend that, yes, there are Browns fans that exist. Um, I have one friend that is a Browns fan. And it's so funny because he's like, you know, making all these comments about, oh, the Steelers are going to be first round knockouts and Browns, Flacco's going to take the Browns to the Super Bowl or whatever. And then all of a sudden, the Steelers, because of the day that their game fell, they had, uh, what was it, one or two days longer of a season than Cleveland. <laughs> Always nice to be able to push back on that kind of thing, yes. Mm-hmm. Even when you have a down year. But I mean, doesn't that scream Cleveland Browns fan to say, hey, Joe Flacco gives us a chance to be a champion? <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say like, sure, Joe Flacco had his, has his uh, Lombardi, but I mean that was a great year that he had. But aside from that, I mean he was pretty abysmal towards the end of his tenure in Baltimore, and then Denver and New York. We're just not even gonna talk about that because Joe Flacco would be the guy to keep the Steelers from making the playoffs by losing a game. Oh, and yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's got to sting that way. Having to rely on the Jets to mm-hmm. keep you playoff bound, you might as well just write off the season at that point. <laughs> but, but it's funny because uh, Strebler was on the same team. I think, yeah, he was in New York at the same time as Flacco. So they were in the same QB room together. <laughs> Put Strevy in, you cowards. Like, you're the Jets. What do you have to lose? At least be entertaining, for God's sake. You know, when uh, Aaron Rodgers went to the Jets, too, uh, I think that you would get a kick out of this. So, obviously, for the viewers that don't know, I work as a uh, meteorologist for a news station here in Eau Claire. And anyways, uh, so I have, like, a plethora of Jets jerseys, Winnipeg Jets, not New York. I used to have a New York Jets jersey. Uh, but, you know, there was all this talk about Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. So, of course, I wear my Morrissey jersey uh, on air that day and was like, well, Aaron Rodgers went to the Jets. I'm excited. <laughs> Although, I would love to see if Aaron Rodgers can ice skate. He can pull out the Canadian tuxedo, we found out. Yes, that he can do. And I mean, 
Aaron Rodgers will likely never see this, but if he does, I mean, I would, I would play him one-on-one in hockey. Just he's a better athlete than I am. That's for sure. Of course. But you know, I, I have my experience playing high school hockey. Maybe, uh, maybe that'll play out in my favor and, uh, could, uh, maybe, maybe beat him one-on-one. I'll go make the popcorn. Yes, Aaron Rodgers, I'm challenging you one-on-one ice hockey. Me and you, if you ever saw this, yeah, please. I, I, think he's got, I think he's got better things to do, as do most people, to be fair. <laughs> he had his darkness retreat for four days for crying out loud. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So he did nothing. So he has time. This is true. He could have just cut one of those days out and instead catch up. And come to come back to Wisconsin to play some hockey. Just instead, I mean, I'll even meet him in Green Bay. You know, Green Bay is only a couple hours away. I'll drive. I'll take the drive on twenty nine. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's a welcome face in Green Bay right now. Give it a couple years again. Yeah. Well, then when he goes to the Vikings, just like Brett Favre did, <laughs> then he'll really not be welcome in Green Bay. Yeah. Then you can catch him in Minneapolis. That's a better drive thing. That's a closer drive than Green Bay is. Exactly. And then, you know, and uh, give it what about another 11 years? And then Jordan Love is going to go to the Jets. Vikings. <laughs> and then go to the Vikings and complete the, the story. If that, if, that oh. means if that means he's a Hall of Famer and the next guy's a Hall of Famer, keep playing the same thing over and over again. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, I just think that it would be so funny if Aaron Rodgers ended up going to the Vikings. Like, after one more year in New York. And I feel like he'd be the guy that would do it to just to spite that. Like, oh yeah, like that would actually happen. No, he well, would do it. The last guy did did explicitly that. He said, I'm not coming back to the Jets. You can cut me now. <laughs> the moment he's cut, he's, uh, he's on the phone with the Vikings. So, oh, That is so funny though. But now, I mean, football, heavy hitting game. So let's talk about one particular heavy hit that happened on the ice and what we make of the dilly dilly hit. And is it warranting a suspension? Because it is a hit to the head. And let's keep in mind that that is a sort of hit that the NHL wants to work towards a zero tolerance policy on. So I'll ask again, is it suspension worthy? It's like you said, it's the type of hit they want out of the game. Anybody trying to guess what the NHL head office is going to do in any given situation might as well be flipping a coin or rolling a dice or something. So actually, let me see if I have a dice here and see how many games he'll be suspended for. (laughs) Uh, I don't have any hanging around, which is odd because I have like a million dice and a million board games all over the place, but not right here. Well, Wisconsin, we got to, you know, you got to shake for shots. You got to have dice on you just to shake at the table, you know, play horses or ones, twos, threes, et cetera. Actually, yeah, I actually don't have my quarter on me. We're striking yeah. out. Yeah. Shame on us. We're bad Wisconsinites. Yeah, right. But, um, yeah, I think my, my take on the Dylan hit was that it was not – there was no intent to injure – in my opinion, I could very well be wrong, but I don't think he had an intent to injure. 
but it is still a hit to the head. So it wouldn't surprise me. And taking all bias out of account, because of course I have plenty of it. Uh, but I think I'd be surprised if it goes beyond three games. But I think anywhere from that one to three game range is where he'll likely fall under a suspension. Yeah, my gut instinct is it's one just because you're sending a message that you can't have that kind of hit. And it sucks because, you know, he's a big boy and very, very physical. He's he's not a buff, but he's about as close as we can get right now. He's the closest that we have. Stanley has his size, but I don't think he's ever figured out how to use it aside from falling on Kirill Kaprizov. <laughs> Speaking of pissing off Minnesotans. <laughs> yeah. As I say, I think that's the only way that Stanley's ever used his size. And, you know, I just thought of this now. Who Logan Stanley reminds me of? Do you remember Hal Gill? Fagley, yes. So he was a guy that was as massive as the day is long, kind of like Logan Stanley. He had a, I mean, this is, of course, relative to the NHL. He was not the best skater, not the most coordinated, and didn't know how to use his size. That's exactly what Logan Stanley is. And, you know, at, at what point do we realize that he's just not going to be the one? Maybe he's the one that we should put on waivers, and we could have kept someone that had a bright future, like Declan Chisholm. Like, Well, remember that first-round label I was talking about about? 10, 15 minutes ago? Yes. So, benefit of the Monaghan trade being that we don't have a guy with that label on this year that may be a second-round talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I just, I think it's time to move on from the Logan Stanley experiment. I... I had high hopes for him too because I thought if, you know, when he played his first couple games, I was like, okay, well, you know, he's, he's not the fastest, but he will probably, he's trying to just get a feel for it, I think. And eventually he'll be able to use his size. He'll be able to be that physical guy, like a, you know, like I said, like a buff or a Dylan or a Lucic, you know, even someone that can just use their size. Where is it? We've been waiting. Yeah, and that's probably not the kind of thing that'll be learned over time either. It's either there or it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's time to move on. But um, So do now, most Jets fans, to be fair. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I see a lot of hate for the, the poor guy in uh, a lot of those groups, which he would have been, a lot of those Facebook groups, I should say, he would have been, and still could be, a nice trade chip. I mean, he wouldn't return a haul, of course, but he could be part of a deal if they wanted to bring in someone else at the deadline. I think that they're fine standing pat right now, but who knows? Well, we'll see in about two, three weeks whether the scoring has kicked back up again because they were scoring at a pretty good rate earlier in the season. And it's just, it picked a bad time to decline because you had the Ulster break in there and that kind of, well, it was nice to have that break so they didn't just keep rolling and having trouble and struggling out of it. But it's also hard to go, okay, 
and, and just see do, are the same problems still existing or is this just a team that's rusty now because they had the break and it's harder to diagnose when you have that kind of a break in there too. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that it is too early to panic or do you think that yeah, way too early? We, you think so? That's what I was thinking too. And you know, there's still plenty of time left in the season. We're a little past the halfway point, of course, but um, every team goes through a scoring slump. It just, it happens. And thankfully, like we pointed out before, giving up just over two goals a game in this slump that has just been seemingly terrible over the last eight games, uh, our goaltending is still stellar. And, you know, if we can just get the scoring, give Helly some help, give Brossois some help, I think that this team, like I said before, could jump right back up to the top of the standings in the league again. But going back again to what we said, transition play, it, that that needs to get fixed. Special teams needs to get fixed. And that's it's also about nice, It's also nice, though, that we're talking about a slump for a team that's gained seven out of the 16 possible points. Out yeah. Of games. So we could be talking about a lot worse, too. We could be talking about last year's collapse. I think that's in every Jets fan's mind. It's like, didn't it start right about now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh, I that's... think this is a different group of players, different, different, different set of leaders, different system in place. They have a lot of the same players, but not everybody, and not some of the key pieces. So, mm-hmm. it's hard to mentally separate the two because of the way it feels right now, but it's really important to do that. And I like Lowry's leadership better than, well, what we had last year after Wheeler got stripped of the C. Um, you know, it's, we, I still think that change in the locker rooms there. I still think the boys are having fun, even though that they're on this skid, but, you know, obviously winning's a little more fun than losing. So, uh, it could be better. And I think that they'll right the ship. They'll get back on course, but they just need to solve those issues that have been plaguing them all year. You know, they, they had a tough portion of the schedule. They had a tough road trip, two games in a week against the Leafs. And, you know, the Pennsylvania teams are always the thorn in the side. And here we are on a Pennsylvania trip and, uh, you know, just, fix the issues, and I think that all is right with the world again. That's the hope. And a win or two over the next three or four games is going to help get this get the, get the wheel spinning again. Oh, yeah. They just need one. I, I think that this, this could go one of two ways to really swing the momentum back in their favor. I don't think like a, a three-to-one win would, would do it. I think a very hard-fought overtime win would be one way to really kind of put some uh, pep back in their step or just an absolute dominant appearance, like, you know, a six, nothing win or something like that. Or like that five one win they had over the Bruins earlier this year, where they yeah. controlled the play the whole time. Mm-hmm. That would be huge. A win like that, that would put all the momentum back in the world and even a hard fought overtime win too. you know, an overtime loss would be very crushing, but if they could win a game like that, I think that they could get right back in the saddle. Yeah, I don't call. Ask me next week how I feel. 
I like this next yeah. week. Tell us a lot about this team. Yeah, honestly, the next week or two, that's that's going to be the difference maker. And I think if we're here in two weeks and they're still playing the way they have been, then we might start to panic. But I still think it's too early. Yeah. Let's see how Monaghan fits in. See how Nemeshnikov meshes with the fourth line. Because like you were mentioning, he was doing pretty well as a second line center. But you take a guy that can manage to be a second line center pretty decently and stick him on the fourth line. Doesn't he have the advantage over most of the league's fourth lines at that point if he works if he fits in with that rest of that line? Absolutely. Yeah. So that'll be exciting to see. And other exciting news in Bomberland. There's you like that Bomberland? Um there's there's actually a lot to talk about because, well, free agency has blown up. We'll mm-hmm. just say and we're much. not even officially at free agent signing time yet. Yeah, not, not officially yet. No, but the tampering window, or as we like to call it in CFL and the Ed Hervey window, uh, <laughs> it, it opened up and it went off like fireworks. Uh, ask any Toronto fan right now and they're going to be like, where's my team? Except that <laughs> some smart Toronto fans I know have gone, by the way, we can still feel the rost- full roster, a full starting roster of players we know and players that are good without all these guys that have left. That's what you get when you're 16 and 2. You have that kind of depth. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're feeling the pain over the past couple of days, but they'll be fine. <laughs> they'll be fine. So with the Bombers, I mean, we've had a couple losses. Hardrick is a... Hard one to deal with, especially going to the green guys, but that's going to yeah. happen. Uh, Demary Houston and now today Ricky Walker to Calgary, which tells me that Calgary is changing directions finally because they were the team that were in the bomber shoes about five, six, seven years ago where they were on top of the West. They bled free agents every year, but they kept reloading and reloading, and then eventually they forgot how to reload so now they're this is the first time i've seen them go out and grab a bunch of free agents which is it's it's on it's really not their modus operandi but uh john hopnagel did step away from more than an advisory role so it's other people in charge now so different ball game in calgary clearly going after the free agents that they're going after but we could talk about the guys that left all we want. Even Drew Rich, Drew Richmond, who retired and because he didn't get a pay raise from the sounds of it, he might have slotted slotted into Hardrick's spot. But you could take those kind of losses when you get guys like Brady Oliveira and Dalton Schoen back in the same day. Yeah, that's what surprised me too. Like I thought, okay, we can get one. Both just ain't gonna happen. And that was something that we had in the chat too. Right, where... we even talked about that. It's like. Okay, we, we get one. The other one's probably gone. But now I'm guessing, at, especially since seeing that both Oliveira and Sean most likely left money out on the table uh, to come back, I'm thinking Hardrick's money ended up going to give that little extra to Sean to keep him around. I think so, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be excited because we, we brought back some, some big names. And I'm excited for this upcoming summer to, to see where things go. But like you said, Calgary is, is retooling and they're, they're looking like they can actually be a real threat this year, like a real threat. 
So they also brought in Matt Matthew Schultz, a quarterback, to challenge Mayer, who really it's weird. When he was backing up Bo and starting when Bo got hurt, he was fantastic. And then all of a sudden, as he's the number one guy, it seemed like the league figured him out just at that point. So having a and they didn't have a backup last year. Let's be fair. They had Tommy Stevens was there, but he was your short yardage guy. That's all he was. And they didn't have anybody else they trusted to go in if Mayer struggled. And he struggled quite a bit. So now they've got a guy that has, is used to coming off the bench in Matthew Schultz being that 1B quarterback. So that'll help them out. They've they're they're at they're adding some pieces. They're they're really they made a pretty spectacular run at the end of last year to climb over the Riders for that last playoff spot even though it didn't did them no good in the end. Right. Now, where do you think that uh do you think that they're going to be a threat to the Bombers this year cuz no. I I, I think that they they might not not take our spot, but we'll just have to see how it plays out. No, I don't think they're there yet. I, they were very talent deficient last year, and it's going to take more than one offseason to fix that. Sure. Um, the, I think the Riders would have a better chance of being in the BC Winnipeg club at the top of the West. They have signed some talented players, and if they can keep Trevor Harris healthy that'll solve a lot of their quarterback issues. I don't think it gets them over the top in the West, but they'll be back to where everybody expected them to be because the last couple of years, they've been slightly over 500 in September and then just cratered. Mm-hmm. And if you have a steady veteran like Trevor Harris running the show, you're not going to crater in October. That's fair. And yeah, that's very true too. <laughs> All I can think of is uh poor scooter. He's he's a year or two away yet, but feels like they're making progress. They're they're doing their best, and I mean, hey, we've all been there. Remember, twenty fifteen, the roles were reversed. Uh-huh. So well, twenty thirteen was just rock bottom. Then there was the false dawn of twenty fourteen, where the team started six and one, and ended seven and eleven because they won in Calgary in a no and the last game of the season where it mattered. Not at all. So we've 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 had the ups and downs ourselves, but yeah, it's gonna take Edmonton another year or two to get they when Chris Jones took over there there was scorched earth. There was nothing there. It took yeah. the bombers three years to crawl out of their hole for twenty thirteen. I mean, hey, it happened, but like you said, pro- I would probably lean more towards the two years uh away for Edmonton, but yeah, that's just me. Quarterback position did get stabilized with McLeod Bethel-Thompson. That'll help a lot. Because then you can have Trey Ford in packages. You don't have to expose Trey Ford to having to be the guy. Because the league figured him out after about two or three weeks, too. Keep him in the pocket, and he's not going to beat you. Mm -hmm. So give him another year to develop. See if he can become more more than just an athlete playing quarterback. Yeah. And when you have a club, Bethel Thompson, there, you have a steady veteran that's not going to make you play forward as a starter, mm-hmm. which pisses a lot of Edmonton fans off. They want to see forward. But by the end of the season, it was clear he just wasn't quite ready. Showed a lot of good signs. I'm not going to tell you he didn't, but he wasn't ready to run the team on his own yet. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, you got to play the guy that makes sense. I mean, between yeah. me saying that and us and me admitting that Eau Claire had a lot to do with Calgary, I'm sure we're going to be off of shotgun sports. This might be a last show with shotgun. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for what it's worth, for <laughs> any viewers that we may have in the Calgary area, I, I at least have this, you know, so don't don't cancel us, please. <laughs> I know. I think <laughs> I've scorched earth in Edmonton pretty well tonight already, so. Yeah, I, I think that uh, we've we've pretty much uh, dug our own graves there. Yeah, and mostly me, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> just to go back to the Bombers for just a second, there are still some names out on the free agent list to keep in mind. Uh, Brandon Alexander, Rashid Bailey, uh, Sergio Castillo is still out there. Janarian Grant's out there. And the Bombers did sign a return specialist today from um, U.S. College Ball, so... Hopefully that doesn't mean Grant's gone, but it's always nice to have other options. Um, Jeff Gray is still out there. Theatric Hansen. We know Jackson Jeffcoat's going to be testing the market. Winston Rose is listed as a free agent, but to be fair, he was pretty much beaten out here last year, so I don't expect him back either. And there's a few others on the list. Uh, Jesse Briggs and Shane Gauthier from our special teams that hopefully are coming back, but I'm sure they're going to want to take a look and see what's out there. Right. And I mean, why wouldn't they? Right. Of course. That's pretty much what Brady did. Brady got to the point where he could listen to other offers, see where his value was, and then use that to go, okay, I'm coming back to Winnipeg for X. Mm-hmm. Uh, you love to see that too. You love to see the pl- the players earn, get as much of the money as they can get while still being able to stay home. Mm-hmm. Knowing his worth is you know, huge. Yeah, absolutely. And and he's earned it. He's earned every penny. Oh, for sure. Now, uh, you know, obviously it would have been depressing for, uh, for him to leave, but thankfully he's staying. So as we go to land the show tonight, one of the things, this is actually a really uh, good question that you had uh, posed, Joe. Um, So I'll ask you first, and this could go, in the realm of any sport, any city, whatever have you. But as a kid, which player leaving your team affected you the most? And I got to give you credit for that question. I did not come up with that. Yeah, because on the Twitter on the Twitter universe yesterday, it was a whole bunch of fans saying, I'm never buying a player jersey again. They leave all the time, this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, we've been seeing this for decades now. Like, I understand the uh, anger and frustration. Hey, it'll be a good question for tomorrow night, but like, this happens every year. It's okay. We'll get through mm-hmm. this. But when you're 10 years old, it's not as easy. <laughs> no. Um, I do remember Paul Molitor leaving the Milwaukee Brewers to go to the Toronto Blue Jays right after the Blue Jays had beaten the Brewers in the 92 pennant race. And, of course, the Blue Jays won the World Series. And they'd go again with Molitor the next year and win again. And the Brewers cratered. And that was no fun. <laughs> now, uh... And then oh, uh, I, still, I haven't rooted. I haven't rooted for the Blue Jays in a game ever since. So <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, that that sounds, tra- you know, uh, tragic. As total a kid sports, to total sports fan logic too. I hate something you did thirty years ago. So screw you forever. <laughs> yeah, you know this one. I'll I'll get into mine in a little bit here. But uh, in my adulthood, when Stastny left to go to Vegas, it was a similar situation. I. I would have been, well, 
I shouldn't say I would have been. I was the uh, guy that boobered every time he touched the puck. I just, I could not stand him. And then when he, uh, when he came back, I was like, okay, I'm willing to give it a chance. Out of the closet, back on. <laughs> <laughs> just don't break my heart again. But um, <laughs> I, I would have to say, as a kid, uh, let's see. Can does retirement count? Yes. Okay. As a kid, what broke my heart was Jerome Bettis retiring because it was it was poetic. It was awesome. You know, his hometown Super Bowl forty. He, you know, finished the story, so to speak. Won his Super Bowl, and it was like you're so excited about winning the Super Bowl as how, what was that? Uh, I was 11, 12, maybe. And um, anyways, then knowing that the bus is not going to be on your team next year, that was so bittersweet to watch him hold up the Lombardi. And now I feel old. (laughs) Cause I remember him as a rookie. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess you would. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, you know, that that whole team, and yes, this is going to make you feel old a little more, but that whole team when I was, you know, elementary school had guys like uh, Tommy Maddox or even Ben Roethlisberger because he started, he was a rookie when I was, what, it, he was drafted in 2004, I believe. So I would have been in fourth, going into fifth grade. Um, so there's that. Um, but yeah, who else? Heinz Ward, Antoine Randall-L, Troy Polamalu. Like those were the guys, Joey Porter, that I just, that that team today, as physical as they played, oh boy. I mean, they'd get flagged every play, but teams would be scared to play them. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. I could probably do this, do the same song and dance about the '96 Packers. I was about the same age as you were at that point. So, and with your 2005 Steelers, so '96. <laughs> you want to know how old I was? Yeah, I. You were alive. That's all I need to know. <laughs> I was younger than your son. Yeah, I'll yeah. just leave it at that. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, but. I mean, we've, we've covered it all today. Um, I don't know if you have any closing thoughts uh, aside from the skid that we're on. This this too shall pass. I, I just want to leave those parting thoughts. Yep, yep. Well, hopefully next week we're going to talk about that little that little bump in the road we had over the past couple of weeks. And it looks like they're back up and running and everything's hunky-dory again. You heard it here first. That's what we're talking about not, next week. And if not, we got a whole lot to talk about next week. So either way, we win, right? Exactly. And we'll always have the best content for you. Latest Jets and Bombers news here at the Winnipeg Terminal. We are clear for landing. For the dub, go Jets go.